You're listening to Senior Times Podcasts. Thanks to our sponsors, Expressway, Travel Department and Doro Phones for making this podcast possible. Hello again, this is John McCulligan. That's my signature tune, Because They're Young. And that's Dwayne Eddy. And uh, this is the fifth podcast of uh, my tunes. And from the uh, response I'm I'm getting from people, I I think a lot of you are enjoying it. It's unpredictable. It's beyond my own, just wandering through my life and times in music, music that I love, um, comedy, comedy that I love, poetry that I love, all in a slightly free-flowing way. Well, today, um, the first quarter of the show is celebrating a whole range of extraordinary women in Ireland. And uh, the first group of women that I want to celebrate and play for you, it's Irish Women in Harmony. They came together to support Be Safe Ireland because in the last... uh, Three months of lockdown, domestic violence has gone up by 25%, which is saddening and horrific. But they came together, there's 25 of the most extraordinary recording, and uh, they're all in different places. Technically, it's incredibly well put together. And uh, they've uh, recorded a cover of the Cranberries' Dreams. And as I say, all the proceeds go to Safe Ireland and you can contribute at uh, safeireland.ie. We are going to play Dreams, a cover of the Cranberries song. And as I said, Lisa Hannigan, Caroline Corr, Imelda May, Roshino, Una Healy, they're all there. is changing every day in every possible way and all my dreams is never quite as it seems never quite as it seems I know I felt like
incredible and uh, as I've been playing it for you I've been looking at the video that these wonderful women and their team put together the women are so talented and uh, so beautiful if I may say so and in this uh, time in Ireland that they should all come together to to highlight their uh, support for women and children who are exposed to violence. So if you want to see the video, you can see it on YouTube, Sweet Harmonies. It's absolutely fabulous uh, and a great technical feat in this lockdown when they're all in separate locations. And talking about that and continuing on the same theme, um, Tyrone Productions, which which was a co television company myself and Moya set up 30-something years ago, still going strong. We're sort of hands-off, but Patricia Carroll runs it and a wonderful producer called Amanda Dunleavy produced a series called Mel Naman. It's a bilingual series in support of women's aid uh, with a similar theme. Um, all of the performers were in different locations, which is always a challenge. So in this series, it was uh, Mary Black, Roisin O'Brien, Brona Gallagher, Cleona uh, Hogan, Kathy Jordan, and, and a lot more. It's a series that I'm really proud of, and, and occasionally television can do something that's to um, raise awareness. It, it's really worthwhile, so my Tyronis all you guys and gals, mainly gals, but uh, congratulations. And you can see a compilation uh, of all that on TG Nakahar, uh, or a bit by the time you this uh, podcast was out, it will have been on, but you can find it on TG Kahar 
on playback. And here is the song that they put together. Um, it's the Jimmy McCarthy No Frontiers. If life is a river and your heart is a boat and just like water, baby, baby, born to float. If your life is a wild wind, blows way on high, then your heart is a million dying to fly. Heaven knows, no frontiers, and I've seen heaven in your
hard work, perseverance and ambition, Ireland proudly secured a much-prized seat on the United Nations Security Council. On the 10th of March, Riverdance were honoured to host all 193 countries of the United Nations at our special 25th anniversary performance gala in Radio City Music Hall in New York City. From all of us in Riverdance, we would like to congratulate everyone who worked so passionately for Ireland to secure this prestigious honour for our country. We feel privileged to have played a role in supporting and being a part of this wonderful achievement. Together, we have made history. Heel against floor and wave upon shore. Heartbeat of the world. Out of the dark we came, out of the night, the first of many mornings in this new place. When the sun rolled back the mist, we rose like a strong wave on land.
under the shelter of each other, people survive. River Dents are proud to support the campaign for the UN seat, and that's what it says there on screen. Uh, you can see in that video, and you can see our wonderful dancers and our doctor dancers dancing as well. And now taking an entirely different turn, this is a guy you may not have heard of, but his name is J.D. Sumner, and he was the one of the backing groups that supported Elvis, and he mainly was the um, the gospel man. He was a great, uh, very religious, very gospel, and we'll hear later uh, Elvis and somebody sitting around him busking uh, gospel stuff and having time. And as you know, uh, Elvis really loved gospel. Um, this is J.D. Sumner. I'd love to dedicate this to the memory of one of the best friends I ever had, Elvis Presley. Elvis was visiting friends, and upon leaving, going back to Graceland the night before he passed away, they asked him to sing this great song by Moses Lister. It had to be one of Elvis's favorite songs that he left to sing, His Hand in Mine. Ask me how I know My God is real You may doubt the things I say And doubt the way that I feel But I know He's real He'll always be I can feel his hand in mine And that's enough for me I will never I know he'll understand 
understand Till the day he tells me why He loves me so That's all I need to know. The wonderful bass voice of J.D. Sumner. He had a group called The Stamps, and they have a lot of albums of their own, and Elvis and he were best buddies, and uh, you heard his introduction to Elvis there. Now, um... When I was in the 60s in RTE, um, the folk boom was in full flight and my dear friend Joe Donald had an apartment in Sandymount and that was the gathering point for guitars and singers and songs and um, it was the year of the protest song and Eve of Destruction and there was great concern about the atomic bomb. And one song that was a, a fantastic song was written by Ian Campbell, who never got the recognition, I think, that he deserved. But uh, in this version, it's sung by the wonderful Lou Kelly, had been sung at the parties by Joe Donnell. The sun is burning. The sun is burning in the sky Strands of cloud go slowly drifting by In the park the dreamy bees are droning In the flowers among the trees and the sun is in the sky Now the sun is in the west Little kids lay down to take Flash of hellish heat and bleed. 
Wow, that was uh, Luke Kelly with the Ian Campbell song, Sun is Burning. You know, I've been lucky in, in the business. I knew Luke Kelly and I worked with him and uh, that was a great pleasure to work with a man whom I uh, admire enormously as, as everybody does. Another man that I worked with and enjoy working with very much is a man called Eamon Morrissey. And Eamon is a great actor and he had his own one-man show, Flannel Brown, The Brother. And in this show, he delivers a eulogy, a paean of praise to the pint, a pint of plain. A pint of plain is your only man. <laughs> when money is tight and hard to get and your horse is also ran, when all you have is a heap of debt, a point of plane is your only man. <laughs> when health is bad and your heart feels strange and your face is pale and wan, when the doctor says you need a change, a point of plane is your only man. There is one thing in this poem I think you will agree. Permanence. <laughs> when food is scarce and your lard are bare, and no rashers grease your pan. When hunger grows as your meals get rare, a point of plain is your only man. <laughs> Wait till you hear the last verse, the final polish off. In times of trouble and lousy strife, you still have a darling plan. You still can turn to a brighter life. A point of plain is your only man. <laughs> that that is a poem that will be heard wherever the Irish race is wont to go. <laughs> it will live as long as there's a hard root of an Irishman left by the Almighty on this planet. Mark my words. Well, there you are. That's Eamon Morrissey uh, in the lyric praise of A Pint of Plain. So, this is Leonard introducing, as he called them, the sublime Web Sisters. Be your will that I speak no more and my voice be still as it was before. I will speak no more. I shall abide until I am spoken for, if it be your will. Be still as it was 
As Leonard said, the sublime Webb sisters. And uh, that was a very special night because um, uh, on that night that was recorded in Dublin. And I said before, we were I was there with friends. I was there with uh, Gay Byrne. I was there with uh, Gabriel Byrne. I was there with James Hamley, uh, James Morrissey and Father Brian Darcy. And when we were standing on our feet, 
at the very end and we, we looked at each other and we knew we had been part of something special because you don't so much sit and attend a Leonard concert. You become part of a spiritual experience and that's, I think, what we all felt that evening. Now, Gabriel Byrne I've known since he was a teacher uh, before he went into the focus and then before he ended up on the Reardons and Bracken and became one of the world's most talented and famous movie stars. And we meet regularly, whether I'm in New York or he's here, and uh, he's beautiful uh, wife, Hannah, and his lovely child, Maisie. Anyway, I was talking to him about these podcasts and he was fascinated by the mix of music and poetry. And he is a great fan of um, poetry and he writes poetry. He has a, a second part of an autobiography which is coming out uh, later this year. But he very kindly sent me his recording, um, a suite of poems. And they're not finished yet and they're not out yet. But for the first time today, you will hear Gabriel Byrne doing uh, an extraordinary reading of Raglan Road. On Raglan Road on an autumn day I saw her first and knew that her dark hair would weave a snare that I might one day rule. I saw the danger Yet I passed along the enchanted way And I said, let grief be a falling leaf At the dawning of the day On Grafton Street in November We tripped lightly along the ledge Of a deep ravine where can be seen The worth of passion's pledge gifts of the mind, I gave her the secret sign that's known to the artists who have known the true gods of sound and stone, and word and tint I did not stint, for I gave her poems to say, with her own name there and her own dark hair, like clouds over fields of May, on a quiet street where all ghosts meet, I see her walking now. Away from me so hurriedly my reason must allow That I had loved not as I should a creature made of clay When the angel woos the clay He'll lose his wings at dawn of day Gabriel Byrne, that's an extraordinary reading and it's almost like I'd never heard it before because he breathes so much life and meaning in 
emotion interact on road and uh, I'm proud to be the first person uh, to to play it but he's still in the process of recording some more so thank you Gabriel and when you do record some more maybe you let us play some more If you're enjoying this podcast why not subscribe to Senior Times the magazine and website for people who don't act their age or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more you can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash senior times. Now, back to the archive. And this is a fascinating story. Uh, there was a very eminent gentleman in radio with a, a marvellous, mellifluous voice. He was about six foot four. He was an ex-army captain, very serious person with, with a great sense of humour. And this is John Sheehan telling a ghost story. Let me say straight off that I don't believe in ghosts, nor have I ever suffered from hallucinations. And things that go bump in the night are usually, I find, knocked over by cats. And having established that, let me tell you about the ghost I did see. Now, this is fact, not fiction. And it embarrasses me because I know what I saw, and I know such things don't exist. I was a young soldier at the time, well used to being on my own at night time, visiting patrols and outposts at all hours and in all weathers. I was stationed at Erlen Moor, a radio station close to Shannon Airport. Of course, Shannon wasn't the hub of the world in those days. It housed just a few planes and flying boats. There was a war on, and transport was restricted. So on my nights off, I was take a bicycle to ride the 14 miles to Ennis, the county town of Clare. Usually, I would get separated from my friends late in the night, because, after all, there were always girls to be taken home, and that hardly qualified as a group exercise. And this meant that in the small hours of the morning, I was set out alone on the road back to the airport. Now, the last few miles home were across bogland, flat, featureless terrain devoid of trees, buildings, or telegraph poles. In fact, everything that grew there was stunted and windblown. And from constant use of the road, I knew every bush and pool of water. Nothing out of the ordinary had ever happened to me on a hundred such trips, nor did I ever expect anything of the sort. It happened in February, on a moonless, windless night. At about half past two in the morning, I turned onto the bog road, having already covered about ten miles. There was nothing on my mind. I was tired, relaxed. If I was thinking at all, it was of the girl I had left behind me in Ennis. Now, as I came near home, I had to pass an intricate S-bend where the road crossed and recrossed a stream. As I came to this bend, I looked up and instantly froze. I know that's a figure of speech, but I literally froze. It was as if I had stepped into an icebox. And I could feel something that I had never believed could happen. I could feel the hair standing straight up on my head. At the side of the road, where normally there wasn't even a bush, there was a monstrous apparition. It was a man dressed in a long black cloak and wearing the flat, wide-brimmed type of hat that Spanish grandees are pictured in. Nothing extraordinary about that. But this figure was about nine feet tall. A menacing, foreboding presence. He seemed to be straining to reach out into the road. And there was something else. 
The figure didn't have eyes, at least in the conventional sense. There were two orbs set in the face, blood-coloured, glowing like coals, flickering and bubbling. Well, I didn't have time to be either brave or cowardly. I was caught in a terror so intense that I could do nothing. I had stopped pedalling coming into the bend, and now I was incapable of stirring a muscle. As the bike slowly approached the thing, whatever it was, it seemed to be making further frantic efforts to reach out to me. Well, the whole business must have happened in seconds, but it seemed like a long minute before momentum brought me level with the apparition. I never took my eyes off it, and I felt sure somehow that it was going to break whatever bond was holding it and fall on me as I went by. When I did get past, the figure turned jerkily and looked after me. That is, if looked is the right word for the stare of those bloody eyes. I suddenly recovered the power of my legs and galvanised. I'm sure I put up new world figures for the time it took me to reach the camp. I never did get an explanation for it. My messmates laughed and talked about one drink too many. The neighbouring farmers said nothing had ever been seen at that S-Bend and nothing had ever happened there. Except, that's right, years ago a young man had been thrown out of a horse-drawn trap at that spot and had drowned in the stream. But I don't know. Years later I found out that what I had seen was one of the classical forms assumed by the puka, one of the oldest recorded of all the Irish ghosts. Which is very strange because, as I said, I don't believe in them anyway. But I can take you to the exact spot where that thing stood, any time you like. John Sheehan and the ghost. Well, it was so beautifully read with his mellifluous voice that um, I'm inclined to believe him. Uh, a good story well told, and he actually believed that he'd seen the ghost on that night. While we're in archive mode, how many of you remember dancing on the radio? Well, that's what we had with Dennis Joe Fitzgibbon, otherwise known as Dinjo. Well, he was a rotund man, a bit like the larger uh, gentleman in Laurel and Hardy. He was a jolly rotund man. I think he ran Fitzgibbon's garage, so he was a garage owner. Um, and then he was a, a comedian and a compere. And uh, it used to be recorded, I think, in Porto Bello Studios. I remember going to see it there. But it was a very popular show, and it played um, on Sundays at lunchtime. And uh, we all listened to that. Now, I just want to talk very briefly about Trokra. Uh, I'm the ambassador for Trokra, and I have travelled around the world with Trokra. I've made a documentary called It's Palestine. I've been to Guatemala. And uh, I've taken photographs and I have a number of photographic exhibitions that toured around the country. 
and I'm a great supporter of Trocred. The work they do is incredible. Um, they are passionate and committed people, and it's very hard for them just now because the Trocred boxes, the boxes that were due to come back because of COVID, they're finding it very hard to get the funds back, and every charity is suffering uh, at this time. So I'm doing what I can for Trocred, so I'm going to play this. Hi, I'm Quiva Debarra from Trocra. I hope you and those you love are safe and well. In Ireland, we're doing all we can to protect each other. But can you imagine not being able to wash your hands because you don't have running water? That's the reality for many people Trocra supports. This virus knows no borders, but neither should our compassion. Now more than ever, we need your support to protect them. Please give whatever you can. Call 1850 408 408 or visit Trocra.org. Trocra until love conquers fear. Now, a man I've come to admire and like be and be intrigued by recently is an actor, writer, a comic called uh, Seamus O'Rourke. He writes fantastic monologues in a beautiful Limerick, a Leitrim accent, sorry, sorry, Limerick, a Leitrim accent. And uh, the stories are observations and tales of life in Leitrim. This one is The Glittery Ball. The Glittery Ball. All it was was a big round glittery ball with a light shining on it. A ball is all in a hall and not a very fancy hall, more of a shed if anything, but with a stage. It had to have a stage for the band. The band needed somewhere to stand. That's when there used to be a live band before the discos came way before the live bands came back again. Like now, the Nathan Carthers and these ones. Now I'm talking more Joe Dolan or the Conquerors or Gina Dale Hayes and the Champions. I'm talking dance halls with the glittery balls and a mineral bar for the minerals and the snacks, the wafer ones or the biscuit ones, a bit of a choice for the pernickety ones. Well, that's the way it was down our way anyway, in the Mayflower or the Rainbow of the Wonderland and Born, All them dance halls had lovely names and big car parks for the cars, the Volkswagen Beetles and the Datsun Bluebirds, maybe a chip van. And that's where you'd go when things were going to plan. You'd go outside with your one. If you were getting on well inside, you'd go out to the car or someone's car after you had a mineral at the mineral bar, after she had said she'd stay on. Or long after you had asked her, did she come on her own? Or was there anyone waiting to bring her home? That was after you had asked her to dance. And at that stage, it wasn't really about romance. More a load of fellas horsing other round the hall. And all the girls sitting along the wall, waiting. And then her eyes sparkled from the light of the glittery ball. And when you asked her to dance, she hadn't said no. And a good job, because you wouldn't know where to go or what to do. But lucky you when she took your hand and you ended up in the promised land, the dance floor. And that's when the bit of romance took over. Maybe she might marry you. Maybe she might stay on. She might go outside. And then she gave you her ticket to get her coat from the cloakroom to keep her warm. Maybe she would go to the car. Maybe she wouldn't go that far. I know it was hard to know, wasn't it? It all happened so fast. I know all that's away in the past. 
when we stood in the hall with the glittery ball reflecting the light down on us all. That's the wonderful voice and storytelling of uh, Seamus O'Rourke and Seamus has promised to come back and allow us use some more of his readings. It does remind me uh, the glittery ball and the Charleville and the Nevin and the Green Lounge when I was a DJ and also when I was a dancer. And uh, the um, MC DJ would call out a quick step and a slow foxtrot. And a slow foxtrot, God forgive us, was an occasion of sin. So the idea in the slow foxtrot that you got a girl up and you got as close as you could or as she would let you. And that was called, the nickname for that was the lurch. So dependent on how attracted the girl was to you uh, meant how close you could get to her. So it was a good indicator whether you'd get the shift or whether you'd get to walk her home. But after one of these very close encounters, um, I felt the need uh, to go to confession. And I was about 16, 17. I went to confession anyway, and I, I told the priest that uh, I had been close to a woman. And he asked me uh, if I had spilt my seed. Now, we had budgies, and that's all I could think of in terms of seed. And I, I said, I, I, I don't think so. And then he said to me, you uh, must keep away from women. And uh, you got the three Hail Marys and promised me that you will stay away from women. And then he thought, and he, thought, and he said, was she a lady of the evening? And again, I wasn't quite sure what he meant. And I said, no, 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 no. I, 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 I met her at a tennis club. So that was the last time that I'd ever been to confession because while I promised the priest I would never fraternize with a woman again, I knew that that was, was an impossible request. And uh, I remember at the time there was a joke about the fellow going into confession and uh, his mates were there when he came out and uh, he had said that he had been with a woman and the priest said, was it Mary Brown? Nope. No, no. Was it Janine McFarland? Absolutely not. No, no, no. And was it Donna Doherty? And he said, no, no. So he came out and the lad said, how did you get on? He said, did you tell him? He said, no, I didn't tell him, but I got the names of three others. Now, that's not probably politically correct. But in any event, we move on at a rate of knots, and you may have heard of the Million Dollar Quartet. And this is a recording, an album of Elvis Presley, Carl Perkins, Jerry Lee Lewis, and Johnny Cash. And they get together to sort of rehearse numbers. So there's chat and talk and rehearsals. It's very informal, but it's fascinating. So here are the boys on Just a Little Talk with Jesus. Just a Little Talk with Jesus. Remember that? Once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. Well, then a little light from heaven filled my soul. Hey, he made my heart in love and wrote my name above. Well, just a little talk with my Jesus gonna make it right. 
talk to Jesus. I tell him all about my troubles. He will hear our faintest cry. He will answer. Well, when you feel a little prayer, we'll turn it and you will know a little fire burning. We'll find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Have doubts and fears. Your eyes be filled with tears. Oh, now my Jesus is a friend who watches day and night. Yeah. Well, he brought my name above, and he bade my heart in love. Well, just a little talk. My Jesus gonna make let it right. Let us talk Please let us tell him all about our trouble. Now he will hear our faintest cry. semi-busking lots of tracks and having a bit of fun. I may play some more for that because I find it um, fascinating. Anyway, we're getting to the end of the line and uh, my dear friend, if I can call him that, Leonard Cohen, uh, recorded his 
last album. And uh, some people had said to him, oh, we love the early dark stuff. And he recorded a song called You Want It Darker?
Well, that was the title track of Leonard Cohen's uh, last album. It's a dark album, and that you want it darker is the title track. And it's hypnotic and it's sort of depressing, but it's fascinating, the artistry and the poetry of the man. And that he was well into his 80s and he was ill when he was recording this album. He had cancer. But uh, that was my last track for this evening. I don't want to leave you like that. I'd say, I love you, Leonard, but... Well, that's my tunes uh, with the support and help of Senior Times, where uh, people over 50 don't act their age, and that's certainly me. So Senior Times, a great magazine coming out soon, and there is a fantastic coverage of an amazing entertainer DJ on the cover and a story inside. You'll have to wait and see what that is. Well, I hope you enjoyed. I know today's show was... Uh, a bizarre mix. Uh, I never know till it's over and till I hear it back, does it all hang together? Um, I hope so. And uh, that was podcast number five. And I hope you'll come back. There's about three more left. Bye-bye.